Welcome to the 15th episode of Profs Radio, the show to A-star your business by learning from entrepreneurs on experience how to solve problems. I'm your host, Peter Martin, director of Profs.biz. Today, we have Neil Whitfield from Small Business Big Ideas. Good morning, Neil. Do you want to say hi to the listeners and tell them what you do? Hi, Peter. How are you today? Very well, thank you. Good, good, good. Um, so um, I'm Neil. I run a company called Small Business Big Ideas, which is essentially me at the moment. And um, I help uh, small businesses to, um, to improve their marketing. Um, so it's, it's very much a case of helping them to get the, the foundational strategy stuff right that unfortunately quite a lot of small businesses tend not to spend too much time or effort on. Um, what they do tend to do is go off and, and do things, um, not always with the best results. So where I tend to, to come in is, is helping them out to, to do that little bit of thinking, that little bit of planning, working out the, the really important stuff like what they need to be saying, and when they need to be saying it. And funnily enough, that has a pretty dramatic impact on the effectiveness of, of the marketing work that they, they'll ultimately end up doing. So um, I can help them with the, um, the, the upfront strategy. And then um, what I'm doing a lot of is almost freelance marketing manager style work where um, I, I work with the clients to, to get things implemented. You've hit the nail on the head there about strategy because there's so many things now to pull you in, isn't there, as business? Do the bots, do Facebook, other social media, do video, do podcasting. And actually, you can start having a scattergun approach with no strategy. Well, uh, just hit it. And actually, you want to be more like a sniper, don't you? And actually, only use the thing because there's so many things to pull us in. And it's about using those things that are right for you and your audience, isn't it? Yes. And, okay. and I think uh, it's it's so easy for people to get dazzled by what I call bright, shiny things. So, you know, they, they, they're either on Facebook or they might get a call from, from someone trying to sell them something. And um, it looks like the best thing since sliced bread. It's going to solve all of their problems. And quite frankly, it's not going to. But unless you've actually got some um, techniques and, and some parameters to, to judge things against, then you'll just swing wildly from, from one thing to the next. Um, increasingly, you know, our most scarce resource is time. And that's just, you know, anybody generally, but certainly as business owners. So, um, you know, whether you've got a limited budget, you certainly likely to have limited time to implement things. And, and as you said, um, if you're doing 20 things badly, um, not really giving them, you know, the, the right amount of time or concentration, they, they're just not going to work. Far better to, to, to pick three or four things and do them well. And, and, and I think what people often need help in is, is working out what those three or four things really need to be, not necessarily what the latest um, Facebook guru is, is telling them they, they need to be doing. So it sounds like uh, you've been a bit of a journey kind of gathering all this knowledge about strategy and stuff. Do you want to tell us a little bit about where you, how you've got to where you are today? Yeah, sure. So, um, you know, I, I'm sufficiently long in the tooth that my marketing career began back in the, back in the 90s. Um, I, the, the first sort of proper marketing job I, I got was for a local brewery here in the Northeast. 
Um, so for a lad straight out of university, mid twenties, um, working for a brewery, life pretty much couldn't get much better than that. Um, and then unfortunately it didn't because they closed the brewery. Um, so I was there for about three years. Um, it was a fantastic time. Um, got really great experience, but, um, what that then meant was, um, after a brilliant summer where I spent all of my redundancy money, um, I was then desperately looking to, to find um, a position, was, was quite open to working both client side or agency side, and um, ended up moving down to Manchester and, and getting a job um, with uh, Omnicom, who are the world's second largest global advertising group with you know, thousands of advertising agencies out there. And I ended up um, helping to start their direct marketing arm, uh, UK arm, based in Manchester. So um, I went there as an employee number four. Uh, within two years, we'd grown to over 65 staff members, both in the, the creative and client services sides of things. And, you know, that gave me great experience working on a, um, a really, really broad range of clients. Um, one thing that I do, um, you know, I, I often make a joke out of is a, saying that I helped launch um, the Rolls-Royce Phantom in the UK. And um, I also helped launch Rustler's Microwave Burgers and pretty much everything in between. Um, so that exposed me to a whole load of um, marketing disciplines. We, we tended not to be pigeonholed in doing one particular aspect. So that meant that we were very much coming at it from the strategic angle um, and working alongside other agencies uh, to, to implement integrated campaigns. So um, that was where I cut my teeth, really. And, and whilst it didn't feel like it at the time, you know, being made redundant from, from Vox um, was probably the, the, the best thing that could have happened to me. So you've mentioned obviously two very different products there, high-end Rolls-Royce yeah. to kind of pound burgers that go in a microwave. Yeah. Would you say that the process for marketing is the same? Have you, have you developed a process and no matter what the product is, that, it, that you can still do it? Or is it too very, do people need to be conscious that actually the different products will have a different process? Um, no, I think fundamentally the process remains the same. And, 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 and the key to that is identifying, you know, who the target audience is and, and let's be blunt, you know, what's going to be of interest to them. Um, once you've, once you understand that, then the, the tactics to actually deliver the stuff, that's where you get the variance. But, um, Ultimately, you know, you, you have to, to get a message out there to your audience. Um, most people are, you know, not sat there actively waiting to be marketed to. So in, in simple terms, you, you need to make sure that whatever you're putting out there is going to be at least more interesting than what they're currently doing. Um, and, and really having captured their attention, it, it, it then depends on, on what your objectives are as to um, how aggressively you, you may want to market your, your product or service. I mean, the, the Rolls-Royce campaign was, was particularly interesting because um, 
we had strict instructions from BMW, who'd recently um, bought Rolls-Royce, that they wanted um, help in launching the, the Phantom in the UK, but absolutely didn't want to be seen to be marketing it because that would almost devalue the brand and people would question why Rolls-Royce would be doing something so uh, demeaning as, as actually going out and marketing their product. But at the same time, they actively wanted to, to do that. So um, that meant we, we had to, to, to think quite, quite creatively um, about how we did that. Um, at the time, um, Malcolm Gladwell's Tipping Point book had had just recently been released. So the campaign that we um, we devised was very much about um, getting in in front of influencers before this is you know nineteen ninety three or four probably. Um, sorry, not nineteen ninety three or four. Two thousand and three, two thousand four. Um, so this is. Um, you know, before influencers, as we understand them now, even became a thing. Um, but um, so we, we did quite a lot of under the radar marketing as, as, as well as some more classic, you know, direct mail to um, the database of um, the, you know, the exclusive Rolls Royce dealerships. And it was, it was, it was a really interesting time, um, which culminated in me spending a summer um, in my uh, Toyota Celica, um, traveling the country behind the Rolls-Royce Phantom as we had a, uh, a couple of actors who we um, had trained um, going to all the places to be seen, pretending to live the aspirational lifestyle, um, engaging with the potential target audience at the likes of, you know, Henley and um, the, the, um, uh, the boat race and all of the society dues and things like that. Um, really sort of just getting the product in front of the target audience, but in quite a creative way. So there you go, listeners. No matter what your product is, as long as you follow the right marketing process, whether it's a microwavable hamburger or a high-end car, <laughs> you can market it. You just have to make sure you get that strategy that Neil's talking about. Funnily right. enough, we didn't take rustlers to Henley Regatta. That <laughs> can you imagine sitting in a... Rolls Royce just eating a microwave Wolverk. <laughs> the campaigns together. Probably wouldn't go, would it? There no. we go. So you've obviously uh, been around the block a little bit, kind of working for international large agencies, running your own business. I'm guessing you've come across a challenge or two uh, within that career. Is yeah, there a particular um, challenge that you could share with us? Well, w one thing that I didn't say is, um, so after working... Um, for the large um, agency called Tequila um, for about seven or eight years. I then um, moved, um, uh, took up a, a couple of other marketing roles. Um, that ended up actually helping to, to set up a, a small um, marketing agency, myself and, uh, and a colleague. But actually, um, in 2007, I uh, ditched all of that to move back up to the Northeast and uh, set up a letting agency which um, I, I promise you wasn't quite as random as it sounds. There, there, was, there was sound logic for that. Um, so I set that agency um, up. We launched um, in uh, the back end of, of 2007. Cold start, no properties, no presence, no awareness. Um, and the same month, the credit crunch happened. 
which wasn't ideal. Um, and uh, it took me probably longer than I would have liked to have um, worked out. I thought, oh, well, you know, I, I've got all this wonderful marketing experience. Um, I'll just apply that and um, everything will all be fine. Um, but actually, that some things which apply um, when you've got big brands and big budgets um, can apply to, to, to smaller businesses with, with smaller budgets and, and potentially smaller objectives. And other things just plainly don't work. So um, I learned the hard way that the things that do work and, and, and the things that don't. Um, and I think one of the only reasons that we were actually able to, to, to see through that, that very, very turbulent time was um, I was able to outthink a lot of our competitors who were well established. They, they were throwing money at it. They were trying to buy market share. Um, and I clearly couldn't compete on on those terms, um, but I was able eventually to to outthink them and um, focus very much in terms of quality and service and and again probably a little bit of an in advance of um, when it became very popular to do so. You know, we started um, very actively um, soliciting you know five star Google reviews, whatever Google called it back then. Um, and, and, and basically building the business on, on reputation um, rather than just aggressively price cutting or, or, or doing it that way. So um, that was, you know, a great learning experience. I had that business for, for 10 years uh, until selling it um, in 2017 to, to, to now do what, what I'm doing now. Thank you very much for sharing that challenge. Before we find out a little bit more about how it was resolved, I'd like to take a minute to let the listeners know of our community, Entrepreneur Profs, where you can meet other entrepreneurs and learn from them as well as find the tools we recommend. Just go to entrepreneur.profs.biz. You can also join our free Entrepreneur Profs Facebook group. So you mentioned a little bit there, Neil, about how you managed to outthink people, how you're doing stuff that was a little bit different. Was there sort of any tools or software that also helped you to uh, overcome the challenge that you had? Yeah, well, um, I, th I think one of the things that I, I worked out, um, and it, it did take a, a while to work it out, um, is that there are a number of different types of people. Again, it goes back to, to, to really getting under the skin of your target audience. Um, so through seeing the sort of people who'd, who'd come and instruct us, um, it was clear that there were various different types of people who would have a property and, and want to rent it out. Um, and and, and in, in very broad terms, um, you know, you would, you would consider on the one hand, people who were landlords and the other hand, people who were investors. And I quickly worked out that, that I really wanted to, um, to offer our services more to investors than, than the landlords. But, but, the, but then the challenge came as to how to, how to, to get to them. Um, one of the advantages of, of, of having the letting agency up in the Northeast was that, you know, clearly you can um, pick up properties far cheaper than you can down South. Um, but that then meant, um, you know, I needed to, to find a way to, you know, get in front of investors who might be sitting down in, in London and the Southeast with, uh, with money to spend, how would they think about, you know, potentially coming to, to Sunderland, which is where I had my, my agency. So um, in very early in 2014, I started a blog 
the Sunderland Property Blog. Um, and whilst I've got a background in marketing, um, I'm in no way creative or technical or anything like that. Um, I very much came from the, the, the client services side rather than being a designer or, or able to actually do anything. Um, so uh, the one tool that, that helped me very much at the time um, was, was Blogger. Um, our, the, the website, because my, my lettings business was part of a franchise, so the big shiny website was, was really dealt with not by me. Um, so I needed to find something which was um, very simple um, and was able to be, um, be used by me very quickly. Um, the fact that it, the, there wasn't a cost was a bonus. Um, and and it, it just helped me to, to get that blog out there. Um, and that was really the foundation for, you know, everything that, that really um, came after that in terms of the marketing of the agency. Um, you know, so, you know, the blog would be the, the central point that we would direct people to. Um, I then used things like, you know, MailChimp to, to, to send links out to it. We would um, take pieces from the blog and get that um, printed up into quite a nice um, A4 folded uh, booklet that we would send out both to um, prospects, but also the, uh, the local, you know, professionals, solicitors, accountants, those sort of people. But really the fundamental of all of our marketing activity was that one, that one focus on the blog. And, and I think blogger um, was, was a, a great tool for that. Um, I could have gone down the WordPress route, but at the time I, I just thought it was probably, that was more than I needed at the time. Uh, so that was, was something that really helped me. I'm surprised Blogger never became more popular actually with it being a Google product. And uh, obviously people do it for SEO, uh, yeah. but it, I think kind of WordPress took over. Yeah. I mentioned the word Google, so my little speaker went off. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot it was always listening. <laughs> I just want to touch on something you mentioned before because it's something that I think is really crucial. And actually, to me, it's the first step of marketing um, before you even consider spending money on things like SEO um, and websites and stuff. And it's reputation management. You were talking yeah. about how reputation was key. Yeah. And actually, if you look at Google, the first results is a little map and about three businesses, all with ratings. And people look at that, and you know they see 50 reviews with four stars, you're more likely to get a click. Yeah. You know, if, you've only got, if you've got five stars, but only a couple of ratings, you're probably not going to get clicked. But it's much easier to get there than it ever is to get on the rest of the page one, which comes Absolutely. under that. And I just don't think people manage... I mean, there's so much software out there as well that does it to help you manage kind of reviews across the board um, and if it's a complaint it comes to you in a contact form and um, but if it's positive it gets put out publicly and i think people are missing a trick that, that everyone's trying to get to the top page of google and they're just forgetting about reputation management and actually how crucial what you touched on there solicit people to give you reviews give you feedback not only does it help you adapt your marketing but that's putting you on the map you know, yeah. someone puts in marketing Newcastle or Sunderland, where you're from, there's a very good chance you could end up there just because of reviews. 
And well, I'm always back about how many using, people miss it out. <laughs> using the, the current example, I mean, my business, the business I'm currently in is, is relatively new. And obviously, organic SEO takes time to, to filter through. But I have, again, made a conscious effort to scoop up um, Google reviews. Um, I've got, uh, I think, half a dozen on my Google business page at the minute. And it, it, it's, I think it's, it's typical, um, you know, cobbler's shoes and builder's houses that um, quite a lot of marketeers don't really have that many reviews. So I've only got half a dozen or so, but yet that still is, is putting me up there um, higher than, than other similar marketing consultants who've, who've been there for, for a lot longer. But I think touching on what you said about, uh, you know, proactively managing the reputation, the previous business, the lettings business, it, it was absolutely um, fundamental and, and vital that we manage the process because it, it's the sort of business where, um, you know, you might have uh, hundreds of, of landlords and investors who think the sun shines, you know, out of wherever and you're doing a great service. But if at the same time, as will inevitably happen, um, a, a tenant has, has got a bit aggrieved that you've, you've asked them to, to pay to get the carpet cleaned or, um, you know, it's taken uh, three days to get the part and during which time the boiler hasn't worked, none of which, you know, you can, you can do anything better than your best. Those tenants at, you know, drunk o'clock at night on a Friday can, can very easily go on and, uh, you know, wreak havoc with your reputation by uh, leaving, you know, very inflammatory negative reviews. And um, they will do that, come what may, even if you're offering the, the best possible service. It, it's just, it, it's, a, it's a fact in that industry. So what you've got to do is, is make sure that you, um, you know, you outbalance the, the, the negatives with, with positives and, and make sure that, uh, you know, if, if you have delivered a wonderful experience to a tenant, well, get them to do something. If, you know, if you, if you have just let uh, a property very quickly um, and previously the landlords had great trouble in getting it let, well, make a point of getting them to do that review. Because left to their own devices, people don't leave positive reviews. You've got to actively solicit them. There used to be a saying, I've mentioned it on this podcast before, I think the saying used to be, if they've had a good experience, they tell three people. If they've had a bad one, they tell ten. Yep. But now with social media, they're telling hundreds or thousands of people. And so it's even more crucial uh, yeah. to manage that, that process, really. But I think it, it, it is okay to get negative reviews. In fact, it can be more encouragement when they're seeing people responding. So if you are managing it and actually responding to that, and people are seeing that you are generally interested when things go wrong. Um, and I, I that, think that still encourages them to buy it, as long as your overall reviews are, are obviously good. Because um, nobody expects, I don't think people expect perfection. Um, you know, no, they don't. And I think if you've only got five-star reviews um, and, uh, and there aren't any sort of chinks in the armour, then people will start questioning, oh, you know, are, are these all genuine? Um, I think when you do inevitably get the reviews which aren't so good, I think um, the danger is um, in, in trying to, you know, engage with that person there on that public platform. Um, I think you need to acknowledge it 
and 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 be seen to be taking it seriously but um sometimes you know you you can never win an argument with an idiot and um <laughs> you know, it's best to have that conversation offline because you don't know whether you could go back and put your point across and then they go oh actually yeah you've got a fair point or the, very much the reverse it it ends up in uh, you know six pages of he said she said on social media which you're never going to look good no that's never right if you are responding it's definitely obviously i'm sorry we yeah. that something's gone wrong uh just to let you know we've sent you uh an email on such a date uh please yeah. can you respond if you haven't already because uh, we'd like to resolve this and that obviously <laughs> that way you don't get to he said she said but yeah. people are seeing that you are obviously responding and you are generally sorry um yeah. so i'm glad that you picked up reputation in there uh because yeah, absolutely. it i think is quite crucial within uh digital marketing so what is your top tip for entrepreneurs who are struggling with marketing ideas uh, since the name of your business is uh, small business big ideas um well I, I think i've touched on it already a couple of times but i think that the key thing is people um spend too much time thinking about the the where in terms of where they get their message you know oh i'm doing some facebook ads or i'm doing some google pay-per-click or i'm putting an advert in the paper um, that is important, but I think what you should spend um, time thinking about before that is um, is the what in terms of the message, and and I think what people don't spend enough time thinking about is is what that message needs to be um, tied in with where the people are in terms of their their consideration process. If you if you're buying um, a stick of chewing gum, then you're not really going to devote a great deal of thought into that because the, the real reason that is if you buy a stick of chewing gum and it's awful, well, you know, it's not going to ruin your day, let alone your life. Um, you, you spend more time thinking about higher value purchases, um, such as a house or something like that, because obviously, you know, there is a bigger risk should you get it wrong. Um, so, you know, you've not got a lot of time to market to a person thinking about chewing gum, but you do have quite a lot of time to to, to get in front of people with with more considered purchases and and what you have to do is is make sure you're saying the right thing to them at the right time um, going in too aggressively with the sales message when um, quite frankly they don't even know that what you do is a thing um, isn't going to work uh, correspondingly being all um, broad and softly softly wishy-washy when someone actually is is there with a credit card out ready to buy isn't going to work either so um, it, it's matching the message to to where people are in that process I think is, is something that isn't done often enough comes back to the basics of know your customers don't it yeah absolutely Most important, three words of business know your customers yeah and your numbers actually yeah. <laughs> that's that's the one that gets overlooked a little bit so i guess in marketing you, you use a lot of tools use a lot of software um, and you know within that kind of sector there, there is so many um what is your favorite software or tool and why um well at the minute i i did have to think long and hard because as you say i'm i'm using lots of things i would imagine at the moment but i think looking at the something that's had the most impact on this current business at the moment is a little um chrome plugin uh called linked helper 
which um, I don't know if you've come across it, but um, seeing as I'm selling to a business to business audience, um, LinkedIn is, you know, by far, uh, you know, my, my social media channel of choice. Um, and um, what linked helper does is it, it allows me to, to automate part of the process of, of growing my network of connections. Um, I mean, we, Peter, met, I think, first at a networking meeting and, um, you know, LinkedIn, the, the principles are, are very much the same. Um, there's, there's a couple of schools of thought with LinkedIn. There's the people who think that, you know, you, you need to have basically been out for dinner with someone before um, they connect with you on LinkedIn. And then there's the likes of me, who I describe myself as a LinkedIn tart. I will connect with, with anyone. And, and the reason for that is very much the same, um, the, the same principle behind why you or I go to, to physical networking meetings. Um, you're not selling yourself to the people around the table in a networking meeting. You're selling through the table. And, and my views of LinkedIn are very much the same, that um, even if a person doesn't appear to be in line with my ideal client, I don't know. Um, whether their network has got hundreds of my ideal clients within it, but I might as well connect with them and, and, and therefore get my content out there and, and, and visible to those people. So linked helpers helped me to, to grow my um, connections from, you know, a, 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 a reasonable-ish couple of thousand 18 months ago to, I think I'm just shy of 11,000 now. Um, and with LinkedIn, you can have up to 27,000, which is a strange number. But, um, but, but that allows me to, to automate a lot of that. And, and I know there's a lot of people out there who, who don't like automation. And, you know, I've got to say that, strictly speaking, it is frowned upon by LinkedIn. But, um, you know, it, it can be a very powerful tool for growing the network and also um, messaging first connections as well. I do like LinkedIn. It is one of my favorites, uh, I must admit. Uh, I tend to use it as my business card now at Networking Events just because I'm so bad with paper. Um, what are you saying there with automation? Like, That's the point of technology. If it's not making your life easier, if it's not yeah. freeing up your time, if it's not making things cheaper or letting you earn more money, what is the point of it? Yeah. So yeah, I do agree with automation. What I don't like is when you have a connection because I'm in the school for as you are, so I will connect with people that I don't know. Yeah. Uh, as long as there's some sort of synergy there, like the, they've got something I'm interested in or something like that. Um, but when they, you suddenly get a sales message and like, whoa, like, who are you? Yeah. Like, you don't know me. <laughs> like, and as soon as that happens, like you're removed as a connection. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, think I know you and I've got a bit of a relationship with you. I don't mind receiving the odd sales message. I've, I've done it myself. Um, but if I, we've just literally connected and the only thing you want to do is sell to me is no <laughs> no but i i think i help clients with you know their, their linkedin profiles and, and and making connections and things like that and um, i think a lot of the time you know you you've got 140 characters for your headline on linkedin and and that's a great way it's almost like your 60 second pitch or whatever to to demonstrate to whoever you're seeking the connection with that actually there will be benefit in in connecting yeah, it's always worth saying that. Uh, so I like asking people, why, why have you connected? What is it you do? Just, just learning. There's one person that I won't 
ever had on LinkedIn, and that's recruiters, because it just floods your timeline with jobs. Uh, same with, with letting agencies, and it just kind of hides all the other content. So that's kind of my only little red line. Well, I don't know. My own personal view is if you are seeking, you know, let's say contacts in, you know, using letting agents as an example, um, one of the best people to to add to your connections would be a recruiter specializing in the letting industry because he or she is likely to have lots of letting agents as their connections. So sometimes I think you you just have to suck it up and and see (laughs) the benefits um, of of getting access to their network. True. Very true. Can't argue with that one. (laughs) Uh, So just before you go, how can people connect with you and who would you recommend we interview for this podcast? Um, how they connect with me? Very easy. LinkedIn. Um, so yeah, I would direct people to my, uh, to my LinkedIn page and, um, I will be very happy to, to connect with anyone there. Um, who I would recommend. Um, I, uh, I've got a great re- relationship with, um, Duncan Yellowlees, who is also based in the Northeast. He is a, a presentation skills expert. And, um, you know, a really fun, engaging guy. And I think he would, he would be very, um, uh, an interesting guy to, to have on the podcast and, and deliver great value. I think I might have him on LinkedIn, actually, speaking of LinkedIn. Probably, um, more than likely. He's quite, <laughs> quite active. Right. Well, thank you very much for coming on the podcast and giving all the value that you've given today. Uh, hopefully people will now go away, start thinking about their marketing strategy and apply some of the tips that you've given. Remember, listeners, to check out our community and Facebook group. Go A Star Your Business today.